0: In your bulletin is a quote by Luther. Uh, Let's read that together. Let us therefore never doubt that we have a yes in heaven, embedded in the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ and his fathers, and that in his time it will be revealed. The text that for the message today He's taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, as well as that gospel lesson, which was read earlier. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Did you happen to catch what Jesus said of this Canaanite woman? He called her a dog. This is a pretty derogatory thing to say to anybody. Even more so in the time of Jesus to say this of a Canaanite. The gospel writer, Matthew, intentionally lets you know that this is a Canaanite because the Greek word for Canaanite and the Greek word for dog only has two word, two letters difference. In other words, dog was a derogatory word specifically, a racial slur directed at Canaanites. In modern context, it would be similar to telling an African-American calling an African-American the N-word, which I will not say from the pulpit. That is what Jesus used in a sense for this woman. He called her a dog. Because as he said, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs underlying part is he's saying that you are a dog but the woman does not get upset she doesn't put her hands on her hips and walk away and be like oh, Jesus that's so offensive he doesn't she doesn't get angry rather she responds oh woman great is she responds yes lord yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table what incredible faith she didn't she didn't get into an argument with jesus rather she acknowledged that she is a dog See, she understood what the disciples did not understand. That before God, before Jesus, she is but a dog. And so are the disciples. So is everyone. On account of our sinful nature, we are maggoted, Mangy, the most unsightly of dogs, of mutts, that you would ever see. We deserve to be on the outside on account of our sinful nature. And yet, this woman knows her status before Jesus. And yet, she pleads with him in hopes that she would treat her, I mean, he would treat her like a son. That is faith. That is what prayer is. That's what true prayer is. See, in our pop American Christianity, Prayer is something that has been horribly distorted, and it can be distorted in the idea that many of us have fallen into, and that is the idea that prayer has power. That is false. Like, wait a minute, I've always heard about the power of prayer. Prayer is but an instrument to communicate to the one who does have power. See, this is why when we believe that prayer, power, the power is in prayer, then we come up with all kinds of gimmicks to figure out how to make our prayers work better. When, things, when we don't get what we want, we think, oh, I must have prayed wrong. It must be something I said. Maybe I don't have the right faith. Maybe I don't have the right mindset. When you realize that prayer is not where the power is, you don't blame it on the prayer. To give you an analogy, when I was in, high school, when I was in college, there'd be nights that I'd go out with some of my, my, my buddies and I'd realize that my bank account was a little thin. And so what I would do, I'd do what every college kid does, I pick up the phone and go, hi, dad. Uh, I could use a little money to go out with some of my friends. And when my dad would say, sorry, I can't help you out tonight, I wouldn't get off my phone and go start calling Verizon and say, Verizon, I think my phone's broken. I asked my dad for money. He didn't give it to me. There's nothing wrong with the phone. My dad has his own will. The problem in prayer isn't, it's not in the prayer, it's that God has a will. And it is greater than ours. God is not a vending machine. Prayer is not the coin where we drop in and God's going to just give us whatever we want. Which is why, And if you want to see a good example of this, what does Jesus pray in the garden? Let this cup pass from me, yet not my will, but your will be done. Would anybody say that Jesus did not have enough faith? Would anybody say Jesus didn't know how to pray? God, that is the hardest prayer that every pastor has to do. We go to a member in the hospital and they're extremely sick and we are supposed to pray, God, if it be your will, heal this person. That means we are acknowledging. First, we realize that God can heal them. Second, we are realizing that he might not. And third, we are realizing that his decision not to is the right decision. That is faith in God. It is a very tough prayer, but we pray it all the time. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We pray it all the time. We are to be like that Canaanite woman. Coming before God. Knowing that on account of our sinful nature. That when we pray to God, we are like that mangy mutt that does not deserve for God to hear us. We very often in our American mindset think that we have our rights. Like, God, you have to give me time. I'm taking time for you, you got to give me time. And by the way, I'm going to poke at a little bear that I've noticed in our, this congregation. I've been, I've been debating whether or not to poke at this bear. But one thing I hear a lot about, and I've only been here for two weeks, service length. People complain if we go over an hour, ever. <laughs> Here's the thing. Two things. One, you have no idea the damage you are doing to the gospel every time you do that. Because children hear you complain and say, what kind of a God can that be if you can't spend an extra 15 minutes? What kind of a God? And the outsiders, Friedrich Nietzsche, he quoted the famous quote, God is dead. Do you know why? Because he looked at Christians, he said they believed in God. And they acted like he didn't exist. And he said, Why don't you admit it? God is dead. You have killed him. When we complain about services going over an hour, we are acting like our God is dead. And the world sees that. And they follow suit. No surprise. But reality is, and, it's, and the worst is we're treating God like a butler. Like when that bell rings, that's us saying, hey, God, come on in, it's your time. When the bell rings again, go about your business and we're done with you. No. We are the dogs. But here's the thing that's so awesome. You know, Luther says that before God, you heard that. Never doubt that we have a yes in heaven. This is faith. That even though we are that mangy mutt, when we come before God in prayer, and we pray thy will be done, we know that he listens to you as a son. That by the blood of Jesus shed on the cross, poured on you in the waters of baptism, you are made a son, and he listens to you and treats you as such. He doesn't just give you a a bone or whatever, and he doesn't just give you the crumbs from the table. He gives you his very best. In fact, this season of Lent, this cross, right in front of your face, is a reminder, this Crucifix is a reminder that he gave you his entire self for you. When we pray to God, we know we have a yes. That whatever we pray, he will answer in accordance with his will. And it is going to be a far better than we could ever imagine. He gives us exactly what we need. And it is awesome. Because as mangy mutts, we are destined to be outside. But in the waters of baptism, made his son, we are given the eternal kingdom. It's yours. That's why that baptismal font's right in front of your face. You're brought into the kingdom of God in baptism. That's why that altar is right there. Every time you come to the Lord's Supper, you are celebrating in the kingdom. You're a resident. You're a citizen of it. So go to him in prayer, knowing you are never unworthy. Why should I take that? You are always unworthy, but he makes you worthy to always come to him. You don't have to say, oh, God, you don't know what I've done. You don't know how bad I am. He always listens. He always answers. To that gracious God be all glory. In Jesus' name, amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keep in the one true faith and a life everlasting. Amen. We continue with him, 589.